Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? Yeah, that last play by the Giants totally gave the rest. This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS game. Still and always will be hockey time. Fire Leland. You can't hit in this league. You got it. I'm Alex Sharg, and it turns out that Spartan fans are not the only one burning couches. Plus, Lions say goodbye to a legend and bring in a new one. All this and more. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. And welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm Alex Sharg. I'll be with you up until 8 p.m. right here on 88.9. If you are not able to stream us in your car, you can stream us online at impact89fm.org. Give us a follow on Facebook at Spartan Sports Wrap Impact 89 FM. Uh, again, that's Spartan Sports Wrap dash Impact 89 FM. You can also tweet at us at 89 FM Sports Wrap. We'll be on Twitter every step during the show for you to give us your intake, your thoughts, anything you'd like us to know as well. Uh, a lot going on in the world of sports as usual. We're going to say the same thing every week because it just really doesn't stop. But you can't really neglect the new the new burning of couches that does not exist in East Lansing. What I mean by that is the Spartans are known to burn couches, especially after heartbreaking losses. We've seen it before. I'll be admitting to that. And it's not necessarily Spartans or students. It, it sometimes could be res- residents of East Lansing. Uh, it, it, it could be people that go to LCC. There, there's no clear evidence on who burns the couches. Well, there's a new city that is starting to burn couches, and it starts with an A, and it ends with the last word of an A. So we'll get to that, all that more, in just a few minutes. But, but first off, If you are just tuning in for your first time, let me explain to you how the show is set up. We start with MSU Sports First. That's your Michigan State football, basketball, baseball, because that's really new into swing. Uh, We get a little bit of volleyball. Anything you'd like to know, we bring it at you. And then we jump a little bit to local sports. That's your Detroit Tigers, Red Wings, Pistons, oh my. We get a little bit of lines their way as well. And then we jump to national. And national later on in today's show, we'll talk about the Miami Heat, Carmelo Anthony streak. And we'll talk about the NCAA championship going on. Tonight. Plus, we have our annual goon of the week, and it goes on at the last five minutes of the show. And it's basically someone at the sports shop that I pick each week, and that the eh, majority of people agree on that we just think is a little bit goony. So we'll get to all that more at the end of the show. Uh, we have listeners all over as far as San Jose State University in California and as far as Miami, Florida. We are a nationally listened show, so we appreciate all the support each week. And, of course, we usually have a special guest every single week. Uh, about a month ago, we had Clarissa Bell, the guard for the Spartans. We've also had Dan Dickerson on. That was uh, two or three weeks ago, I believe. Josh Mansour, State News football beat writer and basketball beat writer. And then we had Lloyd Pradell on the other week. Week, who is a basketball coach and enthusiast. Great to have him on. This week, we are not having any special guests, but stay tuned in future weeks because we sure will be bringing guests your way as soon as the show keeps developing. Uh, of course, we always start each and every show with our Chad Ocho Zero, not Johnson, but Chad Ocho Zero segment. Yes, how it works is each week at the Spartan Sports Rap, Chad Johnson does something a little bit goony, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit subpar in terms of behavior so we like to make note of it because he just cannot stay himself out of the media he keeps getting the attention each week uh if you have not been following this whole saga he had a a domestic uh domestic violence case against his ex-wife evelyn lazada he also was shot in a florida hotel room and went to the fbi and confirmed that he was in a sex tape uh turning to yoga to cope with his struggles uh tons of new girlfriends left and right uh Rumored to be maybe looking at joining the the Houston Texans organization uh, and joining up with Andre Johnson and company, but not as of right now. He is still looking for a job. He goes on Twitter rants left and right, uh, but lately he's been quiet. So that's very, very nice to see that he can maybe control himself lately. And this week there's nothing new. So like I said, if, if, if it continues to be that there is nothing new about Chad Johnson uh, and, and it just seems to be that, Maybe they're starting to get the hang of things and that and that Chad Johnson is realizing all of the mistakes. Well, it turns out that it may not be the mockery that we thought. Uh, so, yes, that is exactly how it goes down uh, when it comes to the show layout. And we're going to start it off right away with the couches. 
Yes, the couches that are notoriously burned in East Lansing, that are notoriously burned after Michigan State Spartans losses. Uh, We've seen them year in and year out. We saw it this year when the Spartans dropped to the Duke Blue Devils. But guess what? As of last night, in the city of Ann Arbor, that's right, with the Wolverines playing against Louisville tonight in the NCAA championship, it turns out that the city of Ann Arbor decided to burn four, not one, not two, but four couches in downtown Ann Arbor confirmed by the Ann Arbor Fire Department and officials last night following the win. Uh, Well, this was actually two nights ago. Uh, Sunday morning at about 3.53 in the morning, another couch was spotted, a fifth couch, was spotted at McKinley Street and right outside University of Michigan campus. So uh, five couches being burned in East Lansing and Renee Bush, who is the the uh, one of the police lieutenants there, decided that they are not going to pursue in any investigations regarding arson or anything about the couches. Well, like it was talked about today uh, by many, I, I would proudly say that maybe the Wolverines are trying to be like Spartans here. Does it maybe come, does does the thought come across your head that, hey, it turns out that Michigan actually does burn couches after all, and these are the same Michigan fans and the same Michigan people that point fingers at Spartans and make fun of the fact that we burn couches. And it's not even proven that it was actually Spartans that burned the couches to begin with. Well, if you think that's a little fishy, 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at us at 89FM Sportrap. Again, at 89FM Sportrap is the Twitter handle. Uh, but again, 517-432-3893 is the place if you'd like to send us a tweet whatsoever. But like I said, the Wolverines burning couches after a win. They, they didn't even lose this game. They won the game and decided to burn couches to celebrate. What kind of celebration is that? I mean, we've seen Spartans burn, or, or the city of East Lansing and couches after a loss, but I don't think we've ever seen couches burning after a win. Uh, this is coming out of AnnArbor.com and also Lansing State Journal. And Graham Couch, who is a very, very well-known writer for his blog, Couch on Fire, I wonder how Graham Couch is going to deal with the fact that the couch is not only in fi- on fire in East Lansing. Maybe someone in, in, in Ann Arbor can start a blog saying that the couch is burning in Ann Arbor, too. So, I want to leave it to you. 517-432-3893. Tweet at 89FM Sports App if you'd like to comment on anything during the show. Uh, just to give a little bit of an update, David DeFever, our old co-host, uh, has taken leave. He's got a little bit too much going on this semester. Uh, but we are going to be selecting a new co-host, and we will be hold- holding some auditions for a new co-host uh, at the end of this semester and leading into the summer. So definitely keep your ears tuned to that if you follow Communication Arts and Sciences on Twitter or on Facebook or uh, in general. If you get any emails, you'll have to keep your looks on for that, uh, and we'll keep you updated as that comes on. But like I said, couches burning in Ann Arbor, not not alongside with East Lansing, but who would have thought that couches would burn in Ann Arbor after a Michigan win? And the funny thing about it is that although there were five couches burned in Ann Arbor the other night, that... There's no investigation into it. I mean, when we saw the, the couches burn uh, following the Duke laws, following in, in 2009, 2010, there were investigations up the, up the gazoo. Um, there were people arrested. There were people held in custody because it was assumed that although there were no proven facts, they're going to take all actions necessary to make sure the right people get handed to them. Well, did the right people in the Ann Arbor couch burning get handed to them? No. There were no investigations into who started the burning of the couches, but in East Lansing, they were way way more tighter. Does that mean Ann Arbor is a free-for-all when it comes to burning couches? And what is this bad boy mentality that comes from the people of Ann Arbor to burn couches after a win? I mean, this is, of course, a new Fab Five era. Uh, You can call it, you know, with the Glenn Robinson, Tim Hardaway, uh, the Tim Hardaway generations, uh, the first time that they've been to a championship since, uh, you know, the early 90s. You can argue that this is a very similar layout and similar finish that you would expect for this team. Well, let's go to the phones. You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? This is Elmo from Detroit. Elmo, what's going on? I don't know if you've been following Elmo, but there are some couches burning in Ann Arbor following a Michigan win. Uh, your thoughts on that? Wow, I think that's pretty interesting for Ann Arbor. Exactly. You know, yeah, you're the good boy network out there. You know, it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, the way it's make East Lansing look like it's the rowdy place. 
I guess Ann Arbor's hanging tough. Right, and and I'm not even saying hanging tough, but it might be even tougher because because they won the game. It's not like they lost in a close call. It's not like the refs were were you know were banging at their door. It's not like the Bavs, the the refs were were on the court and, and and getting players frustrated. But these are some happy fans. Oh yeah, they're they're happy in Ann Arbor. That's right, Elmo. Anything else you want to talk about on the air in the world of sports going on right now? Yeah, what do you think about the game tonight? Yeah, well, we'll get to that in just a second, but the funny, and this is a question I'd like to ask you, Elmo, while I have you on, is what do you think uh, is is more important, or, or what do you think has a bigger impact uh, for Michigan? I mean, you look at the fact that Louisville's Kevin Ware was injured, and this Louisville team has something else to fight for. Besides the fact that, yes, they're fighting for, you know, uh, you know their player, but they're competing against a pretty good Michigan team. Now, does the Kevin Ware injury help their chances? Do you think that brings them more together? You know what? Uh, I was really surprised after watching the game uh, on Saturday evening with Michigan and Syracuse. Yeah. I really saw the difference. I, I really believe Louisville has the, the edge by having a better coach. I don't think Michigan's coach uh, really prepared them for certain situations that well. And I'll give you an example, the out-of-bounds place at the end of the game, the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Michigan had a horrible time getting the ball in bounds. Crucial time period because the time frame where the Michigan was, they were falling down, the, the lead was, it was going down and down and down. They put the press on Michigan. They couldn't get the ball in bounds. Louisville is going to do the same thing. Yeah, I don't know if Coach Beeline has the – He's a, he's a great coach. He got his team to the finals. I just think Louisville is, is a step above by having Patino as the head coach. Yeah, and, and that was also propelled by the fact that Patino was also elected into the Basketball Hall of Fame as of today. Uh, I wonder how that hype and, and his reputation is going to help their team. But yeah, like you said, they were not even able to get the ball in bounds. And the other thing that really mind boggles me is Michigan. In the last... Three minutes of the game, Elmo. I don't know if you were watching that game uh, as they faced, uh, I don't know, a very a very tough Syracuse team, but they missed five straight free throws, and and this was after Spike Albrecht was nine for nine for the year. A lane violation gave Mitch McGarry another free throw and missed again, missed three straight free throws from McGarry, and I think overall I think they were two for eight. In the last three minutes of the game. Now, if you are an NCAA team in the Final Four and you miss six free throws of eight in the last three minutes of the game and it's within a 10-point lead, the odds of winning that game must be so slim. Exactly. Exactly. 517-432-3893. We've got Elmo on from Detroit. Thanks for calling in, Elmo. Uh, Another thing I want to talk about when it comes to this Michigan team is Trey Burke. The projection of him is a lottery pick at top five. Uh, whether he will continue to be this good in the NBA. But but here's how I look at it, Elmo. You've got Derrick Rose, Chris Paul, Deron Williams, Brandon Jennings now. I mean, there are some elite guards in this league that were drafted, some of them, in this top five. If you compare those players in college to Trey Burke right now, is Trey Burke have a little bit of an edge? Do you think that his potential may be higher? Or what is your take on Trey's future in the league? I don't think he's... I, you know... I'm not as hyped as most people are about him. He's a phenomenal ball player. Um, I don't think he's as good as a Derrick Rose, Chris Paul. Any of the names that you've named, I don't think he's at that stage yet. But do you uh, think he can get I, there? I don't think so. Why think Why so. is that? Is it his height? Is it the fact that, uh, I don't know, maybe unproven, uh, uh, you know, maybe his shot? Or? I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he could dominate the game like like a like the guy from the Bulls, uh, Derek Rose. Rose, and Chris Paul. I just don't see him being as good as them. Um, I think one guy definitely should not go to the NBA next year is um, the guard for Michigan, Tim Hardaway. Swing, yeah, Hardaway. Right. He needs to. He needs to stay. He's definitely not ready for the right. NBA. And, and of course, for Hardaway, a lot of rumors fl- <laughs> flying around about his dad and and the fact that you know from. From from depth and the fact that maybe he needs his son to go to the league right now. Yes, uh, you know that that is a side to it. But uh, when it that comes, guy, that, that guy couldn't cover uh, uh, couldn't cover anybody if he had to. No defense. 
if you agree with Elmo, if he cannot cover anyone if he had to, 517-432-393, Elmo, I'm not so sure that he can cover anyone. And I'm not sure that Trey Burke may not have what it takes uh, to control the game because he obviously has taken this team thus far. But what I will say in your favor, Elmo, is that when you look at that last game, Troy, Trey Burke was held to what? Four points, horrible shooting night. He did not impact the outcome of that game. No, and I'm curious to see how he's going to play against two aggressive guards right. for Louisville. And not only are they aggressive guards, but they're bigger guards. These aren't the 5'11", 5'10", guards that are quick. I mean, these are some really physical, really big-bodied guards that can back you down in the post, too. Exactly. Exactly. All right. That'd be interesting. Elmo, Elmo from Detroit on the line with us. We appreciate him calling in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as well if you're in your car, if, you, if you're in East Lansing, the mid-Michigan area, 517-432-3893. We're talking about some Michigan basketball right now and, of course, the hype of Trey Burke going pro in this game tonight. But, yeah, the burning couches thing, coupled with that, is quite an issue. But let's just talk about some other professional players, Elmo, for a minute. And let's just jump to Adrian Payne. I mean, this is a guy that obviously has the tools at 6'10", 240, and a 7-foot wingspan. Uh, very hard to come by by a lot of players. Uh, a guy who can also shoot threes, can knock, knock, can knock down mid-range jumpers, and has the heart and, and even uh, confidence to block DJ Stevens driving to the hoop from Memphis. So, of course, this guy has a lot of hype behind him. Whether it's the right time for him to come out, some people do think it's right because of the hype he has, his improvements, a lot of his physical tools. Uh, he's a raw player. He's got some things to work on. But, Elmo, can't you work on some of those things in the NBA without necessarily staying in college? Yeah, I, I think my personal opinion is I think he's ready to go. Um, you know, some guys are just ready get stale from being in college, playing in college. And when he gets to the pro level, he might have a different attitude and be more inclined to work harder at different things that they want him to work on. Yeah. And, he has all the tools. He has all the tools. Right. And the other thing is we've seen it with with, with former Spartans. We've seen it with Darrell Summers. We've seen it with Kalen Lucas. Some of these guys could have left earlier in their career, decided to stay a year or two, a year or two more, suffered injuries, hurt their draft stock with performances, lost that swagger that they had on the court, and it just didn't work out for them. Now, I, I honestly think that, as you as you say, Elmo, that this may be a mistake for Payne. But what about this team next year? If Payne leaves, you're going to have Costello and Ghana as the front four and five. Now, just looking at that, I don't think that team can even come as close, as effective and and even accomplishing the, you know, the the awards and the amount of wins that this team has done this year. I agree with you. They're going to be hurting big time. Right. Now, there's also some talk of Appling, maybe Harris with a little potential. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two? I, I think they both need to stay. Appling, for sure. Harris, I think he could use one more year in college before he goes to the NBA. Right. Now the, the th- he still hasn't won a big game. He still hasn't won the big game. You know, took charge in the game in the in the, in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Now I, the- that's what I look for. I look for a guy that takes charge and you know carries the team on his back. And of course, and, and we saw Keith take this team on his, on his back for the majority of the season until Adrian Payne started to show that hey, I can handle this team as well. Well, that's right. We'll have to just wait and see. If Keith really comes in full circle, uh, Elmo, if you got a little more time, we're going to switch topics here and uh, talk about uh, the Miami Heat since we're on this basketball topic, and we'll even talk about Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Miami Heat getting some news today about Dwayne Wade. He might sit out until the playoffs. I mean, we saw this Heat go on that massive 26 game winning streak earlier in the year. Uh, we saw this team lose to the Pistons earlier in the year without Wade, without LeBron. Uh, so it shows that this Miami Heat team is vulnerable. They're vulnerable to injury. They're vulnerable, uh, you know, to team chemistry. They're vulnerable without some of their players. Now, if Miami Heat's Dwayne Wade sits out the year, does this affect anything leading into the playoffs? Are the Heat now not the outright favorite to win? I think the Heat are just sitting back, trying to recoup, you know, resting up for the big, you know, for the playoffs to start. I think that they know they're, this is just a scheme that they have planned 
I don't think there's anything wrong with Dwayne Wade or LeBron James. I think they're just uh, resting, resting him for the big for the big run. So if that's the case, I mean, look at Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, by doctors, many thought he would be ready by now, but according to him, he's not ready. Is, is he kind of maybe looking to do the same thing as Wade, and and maybe he'll surprise some and jump in in a playoff run? That's that's my that's what I thought. I thought Derrick Rose was just waiting, and he's going to just pop into the playoffs. See, and that's the other thing, is although that may be a pretty exciting sight to see, if you're a Chicago Bulls fan or Miami Heat fan, and you see your best player that you unexpectedly think is not going to do well or even play in this in this uh, postseason run, if he jumps in and starts playing, what does that say about his relationship with the team? Because if he can do that, if you're a player and you could sit in there and jump in for the surprise factor, then why can't anybody do it? You know, why, why do you have the right to get sit there, get your money, and not play a regular season game? And, and what do you think the teammates will feel about that? Oh, that's a good question. And, and, and personally, Elmo, I, I'm not sure that Chicago Bulls, uh, the teammates of Derrick Rhodes and the Chicago Bulls, will be so fond if he does that. I, I think there's probably issues going on right now because they say the doctors say he's ready to play. Right. They say that he, he doesn't want to, he's not personally ready yet. Right, and that comes in a whole other conversation of contracts. That comes in a whole other conversation of relationships. Uh, maybe Derrick Rose is expecting, or maybe he's wanting another playmaker along with him. Uh, but at the same time, maybe this is his team. Well, let's just jump also, Elmo, to Carmelo Anthony. I mean, this is a guy that's surpassing Kevin Durant when it comes to scoring. Uh, this guy obviously, certainly. Uh, may have what it takes to take his Knicks to a playoff run. Uh, Knicks having a lot of pieces now that they didn't have before. Uh, what do you think about their chances of competing with the Heat? I hope so. I'm a New York fan, so I'm counting on Carmelo to carry him. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. is If you're Carmelo and Amare, and you're facing against LeBron and Bosh, and maybe Wade, the Heat probably have the advantage in most games. Correct? I think they, I think they do have the advantage. I think the Heat does have the advantage. Right. Elmo, always appreciate your call and talking to you over the air. Thanks so much. Great talking to you. Have a great day. Elmo from Detroit calling us in. Uh, if if you would like to get on the air as well, talk a little bit of sense in Elmo. Maybe if you did not agree with some of the things he was saying, 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on WDBM East Lansing 88.9. I'm Alex Sharg. I'm your host every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. right here, same time, same place. Uh, in the past, if you are just tuning in, we usually have a special guest each week. In the past, we did have Dan Dickerson, the Tigers play-by-play announcer. He was in here a few weeks ago. We also had Clarissa Bell, MSU guard, about a month ago. Uh, we've also had a couple guests. We had Lloyd Pradell in last week, basketball enthusiast and coach. We've had uh, Dan Cryer, who studies sports research here and the and is part of the MSU Athletic Communications Department. So if you had a whole array of guests, if you are listening, if you'd like to be a guest, a special guest, uh, feel free to send us a tweet at 89FM Sports App, or if you'd also like to co-host for a day, shadow, see what it's like here at Impact 89FM. We'd love to have you. Uh, alongside with all this news in basketball, and aside with all the news that, I don't know, Ann Arbor may be the venom and may be... That team and that city that also could burn couches. Uh, we haven't heard much interaction on it yet, but I mean, this is a pretty big deal in my opinion. Because for years, Michigan State burning couches was bad behavior. Well, now Ann Arbor gets it thrown back right in their face. Uh, I'm not sure whether this is going to be blown up nationally, whether this is, is just going to stay locally really because if you're a Michigan State fan, and in terms of college students, and if you're a college student listening to this, you may agree, if you feel free to call in if you disagree. But if you are a college student and you are a fan of Michigan State, most of the talk that comes against Michigan State negatively are behavior from fans. Rarely do you get anything about Michigan State about academics. Not uh, you, know, uh, you don't really get the fact that, oh, uh, you know, your basketball team is... There, there's nothing critical about our basketball team because we're pretty neck and neck, if not even more dominant for legacy. But when you talk about behavior from students, that is most of the negativity uh, in terms of intelligence, in terms of actions. But now you have the city of Ann Arbor 
And there is no proof of if it was even Ann Arbor students. But the city of Ann Arbor, who is supposed to be that role model, who, who notoriously has, has identified themselves as, as the bigger brother, Bruning couches themselves. A little hypocritical, a little ignorant, immature, you can call it that, but we'll look more into that later. Uh, alongside with all the rumblings in college basketball, it's time to talk about some college football before we take a break in five minutes because spring football, the first match, the green versus white scrimmage, is right around the corner on April 20th. And with that April 20th scrimmage, uh, which many people I'm sure will be in attendance for, that's 2.30 p.m. at Spartan Stadium. Parking is free there. Uh, stadium gates B, C, J, and K open at 1 p.m. You don't have to pay anything for admission. Uh, but, I mean... 15 spring football practices, uh, and then you have an inter-squad game. Uh, we had the first scrimmage this past Friday uh, in a situational scrimmage that was called uh, you know, by Coach D'Antonio uh, with a modified scoring system. It turns out in this quote-unquote modified scoring system that the defense beat the offense 25-23, to and there's no larger of a discussion than the quarterback position. And what I mean by that is you have three, well, now four quarterbacks competing for that number one spot that has not been solidified. Andrew Maxwell, after his year of, uh, you can argue about what his performance was like this year. Uh, But in this game, I'm just going to read you some stats real quickly from this first scrimmage. Uh, Andrew Maxwell, 17 of 27 passes, 187 yards and three touchdowns. Two touchdown strikes of those were to Keith Mumphrey, and then another one to A.J. Troop. Uh, now let's look at Connor Cook's statistics, who was 11 for 18 for 73 yards and one interception, who did get some playing time last year. And then redshirt freshman quarterbacks, Tyler O'Connor, 6 for 10, 141 yards, a 76-yard bomb to Troop, and a 55-yard bomb to freshman Monty Madaris. Uh So... Tyler O'Connor redshirting, taking that year to develop with his pass percentage, man, 60% pass percentage opposed to uh, 17 of 27 for Maxwell. So around the same percentage, Connor Cook, 11 of 18, uh, just around the same. All quarterbacks when it comes to throwing, uh, pretty even, except Connor Cook was the one to throw the pick. Uh, And then you look at tailbacks, you (laughs) you have Nick Hill trying to fill in the shoes for Le'Veon Bell. You also have Nick Tompkins, Jeremy Langford. Uh, they all combined for 23 rushes. Uh, but then you've got to look at this defense because when it comes to losing Will Golston, and of course the Spartans lost Bell and Deion Sims, but you look at this defense, and when you look at guys trying to replace Le'Veon Bell, will Nick Hill ultimately be that guy to replace Le'Veon Bell and, and, and rush 1,000 yards every single season? I'm not so sold on it. Same thing about Nick Tompkins. Nick Tompkins, recruited from Georgia. Is this a guy who's who's going to be the replacement for Le'Veon Bell? We haven't seen it yet. And that first scrimmage on April 20th will be, the, will be the, the set. And will set your eyes on which running back is going to get the nod. And even the same thing goes for a quarterback. Because there is no solidified number one quarterback right now. I'd want to hear it from you. 517432 3893, if you're driving on Lake Lansing Road, if you're on Saginaw, if you're anywhere in the campus of Michigan State or in the mid-Michigan community, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think is going to be the outcome of the number one quarterback position. Is it going to be Maxwell? Or is it going to be the even darker horse of Damian Terry, this quarterback from Erie, Pennsylvania, coming in as a freshman who may redshirt, who has a lot of mobility, uh, very good size, similar size to some professional quarterbacks. Uh, great tape out of high school, highly touted recruit. Uh, you know, a very good quarterback scoop from Michigan State. Well, is this going to be the darker horse over the selection? Or with Andrew Maxwell's experience, the fact that he does have this one more year to really prove himself as a senior, he knows what it what it takes now to come up in, in game situations and 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 establish himself as a number one starting quarterback, maybe D'Antonio is going to not take the risk and just let experience guide its way. 
30 minutes after the hour of 7 o'clock right here on Impact 89 FM. We've got Evan behind the glass making sure things run smoothly. Want to give a shout-out to him. Uh, thanks a lot to Elmo for calling in. Keep sending your tweets in to at 89 FM Sport Trap. You can also follow us on, Twist, uh, on Facebook at Spartan Sport Trap dash Impact 89 FM. We're going to take a quick break. After this, we've got some more rumblings from the NCAA We'll also talk about the Detroit Tigers, Detroit Lions, and get more into some Detroit sports. You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap from 7 to 8 on Mondays on Impact 89 FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. First floor. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> Hey, didn't we uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could... Uh, would you ever want to... Um, I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. That's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No, don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh. Sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Freak. Studies show that three-quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. More at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm Alex Shard, your host every Monday here from 7 to 8 p.m. on 88.9 East Lansing. You can also stream us online if you're outside of your car, if you're not uh, really in proximity to your radio dial. Stream us online at impact89fm.org. Also, some more going on with the impact outside of the sports wrap. There is a contest going on right now, a lot of it with social media, uh, giving away some tickets to Electric Forest and the Daisy Carnival uh, in Chicago. Uh, you can win that, so you definitely want to stay tuned each week to Impact 89FM for your opportunity to win those tickets. Uh, alongside with all the opportunities with the, with the impact and aside with... The come uh, with the break that you just heard about keeping your hands clean and making sure you wash them. Well, when it comes to Ann Arbor and the fact that they were unable to keep their hands clean this past weekend, when it comes to throwing couches onto the streets and burning them, similar to some Spart well, not necessarily Spartans, but similar to those in East Lansing, it raises a lot of controversy. Uh, do you think that this is a bad boy image? Are they trying to pose like Michigan State? This is the topic of today, so we'd love to hear from you. 517-432-3893. We just had Elmo get off the phone with us about 10 minutes ago, and he gave some insight on the couch burning and alongside with the Michigan game tonight. Uh, and, and that's another thing, is that Rick Patino was today elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame. And, of, and of course, you have the Kevin Ware injury dragging them through this tournament. Uh, I wonder what the effect will be uh, when it comes to uh, the motivation, the heart to win this game, because there's just so much on the line for this Louisville team. And like Elmo said, Trey Burke versus a physical, much, much larger size guards, it's going to be tough. It's not going to not necessarily be an easy task. But it's going to be a true test for a guard that in the Big Ten doesn't have necessarily as physical guards, besides maybe you could argue from Gary Harris and Keith Applin. Uh, again, we'd love to hear from you. 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at us at 89FM Sport Trap. We're going to switch tides here from the hardcore to the turf. And what I mean by that is Jason Hansen 
if you did not tune in earlier in the week or if you've not been following a lot of news sources around, Jason Hansen, uh, after being with the Lions for 21 years, has decided to hang up his cleats and call it quits. Uh, He has basically... Uh, taken an early retirement for those that thought he maybe would stay here another year or two. Him right after the retirement of Jeff Backus, uh, some Lions, some guys that have been in the organization for quite some time uh, saying goodbye, whether that was because they have not won, whether that was because of an age, uh, whether their physical abilities, whether they could not do it anymore, uh, still really to be debated, but... um, of course, Jason Hansen and Jeff Backus both, even from players, we've seen it earlier in the year, just guys that are very professional in the locker room, that come in there, do their business, uh, role models on the field, and are very looked highly upon. Now, Jason Hansen, when it comes to retirement and when it comes to jerseys and when it comes to being recognized by this Lions organization, in my opinion, it's no question that Jason Hansen will have his number retired and will be a very memorable line. Will the same be said about Jeff Backus, the tackle? I'm not so sure. Sure, Jeff Backus did make a Pro Bowl. Jeff Backus did establish himself on this offensive line for quite some time. But with all the penalties, with all the complaints, with all the fire Backus chants and all the signs at Ford Field that we've seen, is this a line that you would be proud to, to, to hang his jersey up and, and basically put it to memory? I'm not so sure, but if you think otherwise, 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. Again, this is is regards to the Jeff Backus tenure as a Detroit Lion. Following Jason Hansen's retirement, who's going to break it? Who's going to come in here and basically break the barrier of a legend? Well, the Detroit Lions have made a splash and agreed to terms with David Akers. That's right, the former Eagle and also former San Francisco 49er that did not take very long uh, to release. Well, this David Akers guy is a whole new kicker than he was years ago. David Akers had his worst career season last year on the San Francisco 49ers. But in 2002, this is the David Akers that posted a career-high 88% uh, of conversion percentage from field goals. Uh, but he hasn't reached 87% since then. Uh, I mean, you're trying to replace a Jason Hansen that was arguably automatic from mid-range, another security blanket for this Lions offense, uh, a security blanket for a team that we've seen in close games needing a field goal at the end of the game, Jason Hansen with all the wins that he's given this team, but now you're trying to replace him with a 69% veteran. 69% is the number of attempts in, in which he connected on last year as a San Francisco 49er. Compliment of David Akers. Is David Akers the right move for this Lions team? Do you maybe go to the draft when it comes in in a few weeks, and are you looking to draft a kicker then? Or maybe it's both sides. Maybe you do sign Akers to a two-year deal, and then you draft a kicker to be molded by David Akers, to be molded by a guy who's been in the league for so long. Yes, it was the worst year of his career last year, and he was cut, but maybe he still has the tools what it takes. Maybe he has the kicker's mentality, and maybe it was more of a mentored move. Maybe this is a short-term situation. Sure, the Lions can know that David Akers may not have Uh, what it takes to still compete physically. Maybe it's just strictly that his leg isn't there. But his leadership, his experience in the league, very hard to come by by a kicker. I mean, we've seen great Spartan kickers in Morton Anderson. We've seen Spartan kickers go in the league and establish themselves for years. But now they're going to a David Akers who is slowly on the decline. Sure, it happens when you're a kicker. It comes with power. You know, you start to get arthritis problems. You start to get... Uh, knee strains, ACL issues, but does David Akers still have, I mean, there had to be a reason that the San Francisco 49ers caught him. Besides, maybe that he physically couldn't do it anymore. But also to note, this is a San Francisco 49ers team that is almost elite. A a team that has made offseason moves uh, this past year, 
They're poised to make a Super Bowl championship run this this upcoming season. Last year, they, they didn't make a playoff run. Uh, this was a team that was looking to win. So maybe they cut him, not because he couldn't do it, but they expected better. They expected elite. Do the Lions expect elite? I sure hope so. And is David Akers necessarily the move to make this team elite? 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, if you are just tuning in for your first time, this is the Spartan Sports Rap. Here on Impact 89FM, we come live every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Same time, same place. You can also stream us online at impact89fm.com. Org. Also, if you have been tuning in for the past year or so with myself, Alex, uh, David DeFever is a co-host who, who, who has been here, has been in and out uh, because of time constraints this year, has uh, is unfortunately cannot continue his co-host position. So we will be opening the co-host position at the end of this month as we slowly move forward with the Impact Sports program. Uh, if you'd like to come in, shadow a day, see what we do here at Impact Sports Feel free to send us a tweet, follow us on Facebook, or feel free to call us, 517-432-3893. Uh, alongside with David Akers, the Detroit Lions also making a move when it comes to C.J. Mosley. That's right, uh, the former Jacksonville Jaguar and veteran defensive tackle agreed to the Lions uh, on a two-year contract. Uh, this is the guy who won a starting job last year, who started 12 games in 2012 and a career-best 80 tackles, eight years in the league, time with the Vikings, Jets, Browns, and Jaguars. But now he's coming in and backing up the Dominican Sue and Nick Fairley. Well, what does that mean? What, 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 is, what is the strategy in making a move like this? Could be many reasons. Uh, we saw Nick Fairley go down with the suspension when he first got into the league. We've seen Ndamukong Sue struggle with getting on the field as well. Uh, we saw Ndamukong Sue also with suspensions. So maybe Mosley is there for a safety blanket. Maybe he is there because the Lions know something that we don't. Maybe one of the defensive tackles. Interior linemen have some issues with injuries lagging coming up uh, when they start uh, training very, very soon. But maybe this is some reassurance in the line. Because there is someone named Cliff Averill who is no longer a Lion. Maybe that C.J. Mosley is the temporary situation to replace the outside edge in Cliff Averill. Well, 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, We've had some callers earlier on in the show. Uh, We'd love to hear from you as well. But this is a guy who is probably towards the peak of his career. This is probably going to be uh, the better parts performance-wise for him. This is the guy who not who has now been here for eight years. And it's a guy who is looking to maybe not establish himself as a starter, but continually uh, to showcase that he has what it takes to basically keep himself in the league. Uh, coming off his best, career-best 80 tackles. I mean, this is a guy that I think maybe could start on some other teams. Uh you look at there are a lot of other teams looking for defensive tackles right now. The Lions aren't the only one, but nagging a Mosley when there are some other holes maybe is leading to Detroit drafting a cornerback. D. Milliner, obviously, many talked about him with his forty time at a four point two six. This could be the guy that the Lions are going to draft. Now there are some rumblings about Eric Fisher from C- from CMU. There's some issues that they will address the defensive end side of the ball. But maybe this Mosley signing may hint that the Tigers and uh, that the Lions, no, not Tigers. Uh, we could talk about the uh, the Auburn Tigers, which we'll get to in just a little bit here. But uh, we can talk about uh, how this Detroit Lion team basically is is, is getting Mosley because they are prepared to draft someone other than a defensive lineman. But that will be remain to be seen as we switch tides here. From Lions to Tigers. Well, the Detroit Tigers, obviously, starting off the season, debatably the favorites behind maybe the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, The Detroit Tigers, obviously, starting the year without a closer. No, there's no Bruce Rondon. Uh, He was actually sent back down to the lower leagues of the MLB. But besides for Bruce Rondon... The Tigers had their three-game series against the New York Yankees this past weekend, 
and they took two or three. They were denied the sweep yesterday, losing seven to zero. If you missed that game, CC Sabathia was just terrific, holding Tigers, uh, limiting Tigers hitters, and basically shutting down all options for Detroit. Uh, but this relief pitching, we saw Coke, we saw Albuquerque, uh, we've seen a lot of these relief pitchers that thought that we thought that maybe could guide us this year, that that could hold down the fort, show a lot of insecurities. Uh, we saw Albuquerque with his ERA now, you know, up above 10. We saw Coke get in there and give up two earned runs. We thought that relief pitching, of course, when it comes to many MLB teams, relief pitching is not always assured. And when it comes to MLB teams, relief pitching is often a, a position hard to come by. But if you look at all teams that have been very successful in World Series, and you look at their closer, it's someone established. It's someone who 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 can come into any game situation, regardless of any batter face, and be able to get out of there just like that. It should be your automatic. It should be your bread and butter. But we've seen some closers over the years that have not necessarily been so bread and butter. Well, you could start it off with Todd Jones. You could start it off even before Todd Jones. You could talk about Fernando Rodney when he was a Tiger. Now, you know, now he's still with the Tampa Bay Rays. But you look at closers and you look at someone who's established if you're looking at a great MLB team. Well, the Tigers certainly had Jose Valverde established as of last year. But his downcline came later in the year. Well, the Tigers had no closer as of right now. Jose Valverde still uh, in the league and, and AAA for Detroit trying to make his way up back to the major leagues and establish himself as a consistent closer. Maybe his swagger is still there. I'm just really excited to see this. But whether he will be successful, it remains to be seen. Did the Tigers rush the decision to sign Jose Valverde? Should they have waited along? Should they have pulled along for the ride before they made such a splash? Uh, I'm not so sure if that was uh, the thought process in signing Valverde. Did they panic a little bit too early? Or maybe there aren't many closers out there. Maybe Jose Valverde is the best available, and they wanted to get them before another team had to snatch him up. That is what I've been saying uh, for the past week, is that the move wasn't because they think Valverde will be the ultimate option, but is because he is one of the fewer options available at the closer position as a free agent, and that if another team has an injury, I mean, you look at a Yankee team that has injuries left and right. If they lose an injury to, to Rivera or any relief pitcher, Sonny Valverde could be that best option. And as you know how, how George Stein, uh, how the Steinbrenner family works, money just grows on trees with that team. But 517-432-3893, also if you watch that Tiger game, you saw Torrey Hunter establish himself in multi-hit games. Five of the six last games the Tigers have played Tory Hunter getting in those games and getting multi-hit games. Uh, but besides the fact that Tory Hunter is proving that last year's season with the Angels was not just a fluke, you looked at how quiet Prince Fielder was to start the year. But getting a couple RBIs this past series against New York, showing that he can actually do that uh, this year too, and that the money may be worth it that we spent on him. But what are your other concerns with the Tigers? Does it come with your starting pitching? Does it come with the fact that we have six pitchers that we can probably afford to let one of them go and maybe get that relief pitching that has not been working so far? Or are you going along the side that, hey, it's only the first week of the season. Relief pitching is bound to go up or down. And, and, that, and that baseball with all the miscellaneous factors, all the intangibles, it's a little bit too early to tell. Well, it may be a little bit too early to tell, but it's certainly the topic of conversation. Uh, 517-432-3893. Uh, just a reminder that we start with MSU Sports first, so if you are tuning in and you did not hear any MSU football, basketball, or any rumblings about the NCAA championship, uh, that was because that was talked about in the beginning of the hour, but if you call us and you'd like to talk about that, feel free to do so. We also talk about local sports as we are talking about the Detroit Tigers right now. We also talk about the Detroit Lions, Detroit Pistons, and Detroit Red Wings, which we'll get to in just a minute here before we end our show with Goon of the Week. Uh, but along with the Detroit Tigers, uh, Miguel Cabrera, last game going hitless, but we saw him go 4-4 four for four the game before. Uh, I mean... This team, if if Fielder and Cabrera don't hit well, then it's very 
uneasy if this team's going to pull out a win. It seems to me. Because as Victor Martinez comes back, his performance may not what it, what, what it was. It may not be what it was a year ago. It may not what it it may not be what it was before he was injured. You know, before he was injured, this was a consistent five hitter that would drive in runs. RBIs this year are lacking so far for Victor. His consistency is lacking. I mean, he's just coming off a year long injury, but it may be too early to tell. Then you look at Alex Avila. I mean, is this going to be a catcher? Because Victor can play catcher, but he's done a DH. But this is a catcher that that you may say. Uh, may not necessarily be an everyday option. I mean, you saw them, the Tigers when they brought in Gerald Laird for a few years that him and Avila split time because maybe Avila was still growing. But it comes to the time now that he's getting into his mid-20s, he's coming to the peak of his career, that we can't just sit along and wait for the ride for Avila anymore. But again, it's the first week of the season, but always a lot to talk about. But we'd love to hear from you as well. 517-432-3893. Alongside with Detroit Tigers baseball, we'll switch tides because guess what? The Detroit uh, the Detroit Pistons received Andre Drummond back the other night as they faced off, uh, trying to somehow hold their season together uh, as the Detroit Pistons are slowly, slowly fanning away. There are some rumors of Lawrence Frank being rumored for that Rutgers job, which we'll talk about in just a minute here. Uh, and then we saw Lawrence Frank come out earlier because of some family issues, uh, and his coaching ability really may not be there because of the talent. Uh, this Piston team is just a mess right now. Uh, but an article came out from M Live today, and it was about Andre Drummond, uh, and this is coming from Dave Mayo here, uh, that he won't be effective pacing himself According to Lawrence Frank, I mean, this is a guy who came off in that Minnesota game on Friday with 30 minutes, uh, but he's saying that he paced himself in in his anticipation of getting more playing time. Uh, He went on to say that he had to learn to slow down because he plays, quote, 100 miles per hour every possession. So, yes, very good to see that he is consistently giving it his all. But if he's getting 100 miles per hour every possession, isn't he sure to run down? I mean, and that's why you give a guy a break. But if you're already playing 30 minutes a game out of the already 48 minutes, I mean, that's a lot of playing time. And of course, before the Jose Calderon trade, the Tiger, uh, the, the Pistons won four straight because the moment Drummond went down with that injury, all started to fall. B- before that, that Drummond went down, this was a Pistons team that was not too far off from eighth. This was a Piston team that looked rejuvenated with the acquisition of Jose Calderon. And Andre Drummond together, he was playing very, very well. But now, uh, it's a little bit different. Lawrence Frank responding to Andre Drummond's, uh, Andre Drummond's quote and saying this, quote, He can't pace himself. If you pace yourself, you're not going to be effective. Uh, so, Lawrence Frank saying that he cannot pace himself and that he has to give... 100%, 100% like Drummond has been saying and in order for him to be an elite player. Whether other players pace themselves, whether LeBron James paces himself, maybe the Miami Heat are pacing themselves. I mean, we had a caller on earlier that said that Miami Heat and, and Dwayne Wade sitting out is maybe going to be a surprise for the playoff run. It's going to be a pace. It's going to basically propel them and get them more rejuvenated for this playoff run. But Andre Drummond saying that he somehow somehow needs to slow down, but Lawrence Frank disagreeing and saying, hey, you don't need to slow down. I want you playing 100% and going 100 miles an hour every time you step on the court. So whether that is the right move, whether Lawrence Frank will remain the Pistons coach, that may change in the near future for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, upcoming schedule, uh, the, the, the Pistons play Cleveland. Uh, that's coming up on Wednesday at Cleveland at 7 o'clock. They also face Charlotte, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn uh, before their year finishes. Uh, And the rest of the schedule, before they finish off the year, uh, they're ending with the Brooklyn Nets uh, Wednesday on the 17th. So, of course, with all of the controversy regarding the NBA season, the Pistons right now are 26-52. Probably a very disappointing year, as many expected. 
But this, of course, is going to be a new buildup for this Detroit Pistons team. This is a new Joe Dumars era that he's looking to establish after trading for Jose Calderon. Uh, besides the fact that the Pistons are struggling, you can look at some other struggles, and we'll get to our Goon of the Week in just a minute here, but there is another team in Detroit struggling, and it's the Detroit Red Wings. one nothing to St. Louis the other night. A Detroit Red Wing team, as we talked about week in and week out, that is looking for that defensive piece to keep them an elite, an elite team in the NHL. But on the other side, I mean, this is a Red Wing team that is about 500. Uh, you know, they, they'll lose 7 1 to the Blackhawks and then they'll win against, uh, you know, uh, they'll, they'll win two games at, An- at Anaheim against a great Ducks team. Uh, you know, five to one, two to one at a at a very good Ducks team is is something that the Wings have had trouble with. Before Mike ba- before Mike Babcock became coach, he was a coach on the Ducks that consistently beat the Wings. And although he isn't the coach anymore, I mean, the, this is the same makeup of players that when Babcock had. I mean, a lot of similar styles, a lot of similar uh, a lot of similar scoring pieces on that team. So being the Ducks is still a pretty good feat. Yes. They still are about 500. They are not necessarily an elite team right now, but there's also uh, hope for a playoff run. I mean, we saw an eight seed in the LA Kings be Stanley Cup champions in a year that maybe they were not favored whatsoever leading into the playoffs. So, of course, very early to tell, like many of the other sports, as we have seen in Detroit thus far. Well, it brings us to the time uh, within the last five minutes of the show, and it goes a little something like this. Goon, 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 goon. Goon of the week. That's right. It's our goon of the week, and each week at the Spartan Sports Wrap, we pick someone who is doing a little bit something out of the ordinary, something that is a little bit contrary to the proper behavior in sports, and this week's goon certainly does something contrary to the behavior in sports. And that goon this week is Mike Rice. That's right. As we mentioned, we would be talking about him in just a minute. But a Rutgers board member who saw Mike Rice's videos said that he reportedly called for the coach's firing before the before it was even established that this was all taking place. Uh, but the thing that really mind-boggles me about this is that... Um, there are some former players that were positively affected by Mike Rice. There was an article that came out from Slate uh, uh, by David Plotz uh, that there was a player that said that although that he berated me and threw things at me, he also made me a better player and a better man. Well, he may have made this guy a better player and and a better man, but is this the right education and the right coaching to go about his business Probably not. Throwing balls at players, pushing players, kicking balls at players, the over aggressiveness even by this Rutgers or uh, this Rutgers University, and keeping him there for that long is mind-boggling. This isn't a Rutgers team that is dominant. This isn't when it comes to Penn State's case, a university that has established itself as a powerhouse for years. When it comes to basketball, very few Final Four appearances. No, very little to none to know NBA players. And this is a Rutgers program that is battling in a Big East conference and they're towards the bottom. So why did they keep Mike Rice for so long? That's why the investigation keeps looming. It appears that, quote unquote, that some didn't know about it and that, uh, you know, and then we see, you know, the athletic director step down. We're seeing all sorts of tumblings. But another goon that's springing up this week, we had to include this are the Auburn Tigers, that's right, the uh, uh, you know Auburn, uh, supposedly paying players, and then you see uh, former player Mike McNeil pleading guilty to first-degree robbery, uh, sentenced to three years in jail. So it seems like this SEC conference is a whole nother level aside from just the physicality of its players. It seems that you can fix grades, that you can pay players, that you can receive things, you can have those boosters down there. All sorts of new beginnings when it comes to the SEC and maybe even reform when it comes to keeping a close eye and a close tab on, on college football and its athletes. 
That's going to do it here for the Spartan Sports Chat. You can tune us in every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m., same time, same place. I'm Alex Shark, and like I said at the beginning of the show, we are opening for a new co-host position, and that will be announced in the very... Uh, in the very near future. So if you are interested in learning more about the Spartan Sports Trap and developing a program a program from the ground up, feel free to apply at the Impact. We are at the bottom uh, in the basement of Holden Hall. You can come in there, fill an application in for the co-host position as we are slowly building Impact Sports and making it a primary news source. Again, I'm Alex Sharg. We'll see if Michigan can burn more couches tonight if they do beat the Louisville uh, if they do beat Louisville and Rick Patino himself, but we'll just have to wait and see. Happy Monday, everybody. Stay tuned next week, same time, same place, on the Spartan Sports Wrap.